the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're so glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministry is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer for you today is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God designed you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my dear ones, as you have always obeyed my suggestions, so now, not only with the enthusiasm you would show in my presence, but much more because I am absent, work out, cultivate, carry out to the goal and fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling self-distrust with serious caution, tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation, timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. Not in your own strength, For it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. Now these verses have been abused dramatically over the centuries by various groups from the legalist to the easy grace crowd and in the early years between the quietist or the passivitist of the spiritual world and the piest which were those who said let's do it all by our works we keep our righteousness by our works we express the truth of who we are by our works which you know you're going to have a portion of truth in each one of those camps the quietist He says, well, we don't do anything. We just let the Spirit of God do it all. We're going to sit here and we're going to allow the Spirit of God to direct us and to move us. And if there's any movement to be done, the Spirit of God will do it. While the pious looked on disdainfully and said, you know, look at this. We're the ones that are doing all the work. And we have the the righteousness of God upon us because of all the work we're doing. And there was a great bit of division in those two camps. And what you'll have is you'll have the pietist camping on verse 12 and you'll have the quietist camping on verse 13. Or the legalist on verse 12 and the free grace, easy grace camp on verse 13. Now, the reason these things get abused so often is because people take them out of context to support whatever point of view they, they might have. But I want to tell you that, that, that this verse is completely, as every verse in the Bible, congruent with its context. 
It is completely in line with what Paul has been teaching us throughout the chapter 2 of Philippians. Paul has been teaching us about Christian behavior and Christian attitudes that we are to put forth as Christians. That what Christians ought to look like, how Christians ought to be and express themselves. But what is unique in his approach to the Philippians is that he speaks directly to the soul, which gives us a fundamental picture of how the Christian life was designed to work. And he makes it very plain as we go through the context of Scripture how this is to flow, not to legalism nor to passivity, but to a victorious life in Christ. And that's what he's called us to. So we're going to address that. And there are some things I want you to know from the outset as we've read those two verses. First, it must be understood that Paul is addressing believers. Okay? You can't read this chapter and come away with anything else. He is addressing believers, not the lost. There is no salvation for man through works. Christ did it all. Second, Paul is not making the case that salvation is maintained through our works. This is not about the security of the believer. That's not in there. Okay? And third, Paul is not saying that we need to work for more of our Christ or to work to gain his favor. We are complete in Christ. Colossians 2.10 And you are in him, made full or complete, and having come to fullness of life in Christ, you too are filled with the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and reach full spiritual stature. And he is the head of all rule, authority, of every angelic principality or power. It's clear that we're complete in Christ. But there is a little bit of misunderstanding because if we are complete in Christ, then what are we working for? Paul's addressing Christian conduct and attitude, and this is really a continuation of this exhortation. But it's important to understand that the whole work of sanctification comes through the soul. It starts in the spirit, but it's expressed through the soul. And it's important that you understand that it is the spirit of how the Spirit of God shapes and molds us is through the power of the Spirit of God through the soul. We take everything experientially in through the soul and we express our personality and who we are through the soul, out of the soul. So the work of sanctification is largely the classroom of the soul. That's where it takes place. That's where we perceive life. That's where we learn who we are. That's where we understand the world around us. And it is also where we receive the life of Christ through us. Where we manifest His power through us. So we're going to deal a good bit about the soul. And y'all will remember when we uh, discussed the soul in Philippians chapter 2 in the first part of the chapter, keeping that context alive, it says, So by whatever appeal to you there is in our mutual dwelling in Christ, 
So we're talking about Christians here, mutually dwelling in Christ, by whatever strengthening and consoling and encouraging our relationship in Him affords, by whatever persuasive incentive there is in love, by whatever participation in the Holy Spirit we share, and by whatever depth of affection and compassionate sympathy. Fill up and make my joy complete, joy by living in harmony and being of the same mind and of one purpose. Having the same love, being in full accord, and of one harmonious mind and intention. Now, your translation may say one accord. But I want you to understand that in the Greek, what he is saying is of one soul. One soul. You remember when we took took that verse apart, and it says, be of one mind. Remember, your soul is made of your mind, will, and emotions. It says, be of one mind, or in the Greek, think alike. All having the mind of Christ. Be of one one in purpose. That's, that is of one goal. That's our wills being aligned with His will. And then having the same agape love, manifesting that same Christ love towards one another. Being of one accord in the soul, in your mind, will, and emotions. That's only possible through the Holy Spirit. It's only possible through our participation, as earlier in the verse, in the Holy Spirit. We won't come together on any of those fronts apart from Him. Then we come to verses 5 to 11 where Paul presses the point of being yielded to the Spirit of God and living to our new identity by pointing out the attitude of Christ, that mind of Christ that he had while he walked upon the earth. And he said, let this attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility, who although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God did not think this equality with God was something to be eagerly grasped or retained but stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant a slave and in that he became like men and was born a human being humility in Christ what humility basically is is selflessness That's what humility is, being selfless. In humility, Christ was obedient. Do you know you can't be obedient outside of that? To be obedient is to be selfless. It is to put your agenda, to put your desires, to put all that you have in mind and yield it that you may yield to the will of Christ so we can only be obedient through humility. Christ in his humility walked the earth with a yielded soul and refused to be man-centered and the Father exalted him. Now, at this point, we come to verse 12, and Paul begins with the word, therefore, which means in light of the fact that you have the exalted Christ as your life, in light of the fact that the exalted Christ, the name above every name, is within you, This is what he says. Continue to be obedient and work out your salvation in verse 12. This is where it's essential for us to be aware of our spiritual anatomy. Or you'll do like so many others. You'll misinterpret what he's trying to tell you here. Okay? Now, it would seem logical to me that if we're going to work something out, it'd have to be in us first, wouldn't it? 
Otherwise, you're not going to work it out, are you? It's got to be in before you can work it out. So we know that the salvation that Paul is talking about is not eternal salvation. We know that he is talking about a different salvation. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 says, For it is by free grace, God's unmerited favor, that you are saved, delivered from judgment, and made partakers of Christ's salvation through your faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, of your own doing. It came not through your own striving, but it is the gift of God. Not because of works, not the fulfillment of the laws to man, lest any man should boast. It is not the result of what anyone can possibly do. So no one can pride himself in it or take glory to himself. Paul is talking about our daily salvation. That which is worked out in our living. When we're being saved and his life is guarding our, by his life guarding our mind, will and emotion and truth. By putting forth before us in our souls, in our mind, in our will, through our will and through our emotions, putting forth the truth that you may choose. That you may choose. It is in our choosing that we are saved. It is in our choosing His life over our life that we are saved. Now Paul is talking about this daily salvation. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the story and message of the cross is sheer absurdity and folly to those who are perishing and on their way to perdition. But to those who are being saved, it is the manifestation of the power of God. Well, Paul was already saved, wasn't he? Okay? So he says, to those of us who are being saved, that is continually saved, that is a salvation that is taking place over and above the eternal salvation that you've already received, that you're secure in if you're a child of God. 2 Corinthians 2.15 also says, For we are the sweet fragrance of Christ, which exhales unto God, discernible alike among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. There are two, two people groups mentioned there. Those who are being saved, the Christians, and those who are perishing. So again, In both of these passages, Paul talks about an ongoing salvation that is taking place in the believer. That is the work of the Spirit in teaching and guiding our souls to truth. So what are we being saved from? We're being saved from the self-imposed bondage of sin. We're being saved from independent living. We're being saved from living for ourselves in this world. We're being saved from living to the futility of the flesh. We're talking about the work of sanctification where we're being shaped and molded by the Spirit of God so that we may know Him in our living more intimately. So that we may know Him more personably, experientially. Now before we received Him, this was our condition. Notice it's dark here. There's nothing to draw on here. It's empty. The soul, that being the mind, will, and emotion, is surrounding the spirit and the body surrounds the soul. That is the condition of the lost. No life. 
And in that condition, before you received Christ, you had to receive everything from without. You got it all from the world. The world told you who you were. The world told you what was valuable. The world told you what was worthwhile. The world told you what you needed to seek in order to have life. The world told you where to get life. The world told you how to be valuable to men. The world told you in its wisdom how to relate to one another. The world told you how to dress. The world told you how to eat. The world told you the whole business. The world taught. And how good is the wisdom of the world? Well, let me tell you something. It isn't wisdom. Because apart from God, there is no wisdom. Apart from God, it is foolishness. And the truth of the matter is that whatever the world gives you will be twisted. It will be contorted. It will not be the whole truth. Because we have an enemy that works out of deception. He includes just enough of the truth to make it palatable and turns in the end to make it death. So what we received from the world was a perpetuation of the death that we were living. It was us constantly seeking life from without and never, ever, 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 ever being able to fulfill it. The world promises us that in marriage we can be successful if we just do all the things that it tells us to do. How well has that worked? The world tells us that if we just act the way it acts, that we'll have a happy life. How well has that worked? The world tells us that it is our supply, that it is our resource, that it is our hope, that it is everything that we need in order to have life. But in all that it has given us and all that it gave us, we still do not have life because listen life is not in the soul life is physical life is just in the body and that doesn't last this is where life has to be that's where life has to begin you were saved to no longer living from without but now living from within in this case The Christ in you is your life. Here is wisdom. Here is your source of strength. This is the power of life in you. And notice that it comes through the soul. It is expressed through the mind, will, and emotion. And as it is expressed through the mind, will, and emotion, you have to, in the soul, will chooses the will of God. Will chooses the expression of Christ. Will says, not my will, but thy will be done. And when will yields, Christ is expressed. The wisdom of Christ, the very life of Christ, all that is true of Christ, flows through the soul through the mind, will and emotion and is manifested through the body and it is in here that we say yes to Jesus the salvation that Paul is talking about in verse 12 the working out that he is speaking of in verse 12 is you yielding to your mind, will and emotion to the truth of who you are and allowing it to be expressed. And that requires choice. It requires choice. You have to choose to live this way. And listen, there is no difference between the carnal Christian and the lost man. Because here's what happens with the carnal Christian. He just simply cuts this off. And he starts receiving from the world again. And you know what else? 
He can't completely cut this out because his life is in Christ. And here's what happens. This and this meet head on. And what do you think takes place in the soul? Confusion, fear, doubt, instability, always seeking for some way to stabilize yourself because you always feel like you're about to lose your very life because you're not sure whether your life is over here or your life is here. And you think it must be somewhere in between. And so you live in between. And there's no life there. All there is is carnality, division, fear, anxiety. All the things that he said, this is not abundant life. This is not passivity or cheap grace. This is you being obedient and living it out. Living out what he has put in you. That's what this is. We are not to live as the world does, as though our hope is in man. We are to live as he did, with our hope being God himself. We are not to set our mind on the things of this world, but we are to allow our thinking to be renewed by the living Word. It is the living Word of God that splits, that divides what is not true from what is true. Now look, just by being on the planet, you're going to be receiving messages all day long. But you can cut some of that out. God will give you grace for that that you have to receive when you're standing in line or when you're around the godless or when you're wherever you are at work. God will give you grace for these things. But here's the truth. When you choose to fill your mind, will, and emotion with garbage, you put it there. You put it in there to trip over. You put it in there to cause division and confusion. You loaded it in by your own hands. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. In this way our witnessing concerning Christ the Messiah was confirmed and established and made sure that you are not consciously falling behind or lacking in any special spiritual endowment of Christian grace, the reception of which is due to the power of divine grace operating in your soul. That's what he's talking about right there. By the Holy Spirit, which while you wait and constantly living in hope for the coming of the Lord Jesus, living in you, the Spirit of God working constantly through your soul. That's the way we were intended to live. Now in the beginning of verse 12, Paul makes it clear that we are to work out our salvation through obedience. Now again, this is not eternal salvation. This is the salvation of the soul. This is the salvation that must be continually saved. He is talking about the salvation of the soul. The mind, will, and the emotion. Now that word work in the Greek is the same word we get our word energy from. Okay? So Paul is talking about activity that is the result of being obedient to God. It starts with the soul where we choose to yield to the divine expression. Okay? Yielding there. And then we determine to, to allow that expression to be our life. Yes, I am saying that there is more to living the Christian life than just existing. 
There is more to living the Christian life than just assuming God's got it all. No one's a greater believer than in the sovereignty of God than I am. But God would have you live it out. Because that is the salvation of your soul. It is here. You know what? Everything that God tells you to do in here, He tells you to do because it is good for you. Because it will bless you. And we went through Ephesians and he talked about walk in it. Husbands, love your wife because this is good for you, not for the wife. Wives, honor your husband so that it would be good for you, not the husband. Obedience is what is the healing balm of the soul that is constantly accosted by the world. Now, we cannot live in this, in this little vacuum that says, oh, it's all got to be just, you know, it's all just Jesus, so I'm not going to do anything. It's all just Jesus, so I'm just going to sit on my hands. It is just Jesus, but you are yielding to just Jesus and being expressed and manifested through the soul and out the body. Because now it's no longer the world reaching us. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory, reaching the world. That was the way he designed it. No, I'm not teaching legalism. I'm teaching the victorious Christian life. Thank you for joining us today for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation. Rest in His life, moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. To get to know us better, visit us on the web at hislifefellowship.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If this message has blessed you, you can help support this program with your gift to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 781-529, San Antonio, Texas, 78278. And now, before we go, our prayer for you this coming week is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you and that you would remember that wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.